Well, hello and welcome to The Mixer. This is Pundarina's Irish Football Podcast. My name is Rob Lyons and as usual I'm here with Simon O'Keefe. Uh, once again we do apologise about the sound quality this week. It isn't as good as it could be but we are going to improve it in the next couple of weeks. It's just we're still in different uh, parts of the country. But uh, just to introduce what's coming up on the show... Uh, this week we're going to be looking back, of course, on the opening weekend of the Premier Division, which had a couple of shocks, a couple of cracking goals, and uh, we'll also be looking ahead to next weekend's games as well, and uh, which, of course, includes the start of the First Division campaign as well. But uh, Simon will first start off with, I suppose, the, the pick of the bunch in the opening round of fixtures was uh, Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers in the Dublin Derby. Bowes coming out 3-1 winners um, after after going a goal down. So great character really from Keith Long's men. No, they, they, they did. They did, And that should be the, the takeaway I think from that match. I mean, if you were to put a gun to my head and ask me if the quality of football on display was particularly good, I mean, it, it wasn't. purely. I think you put that down to, I think, um, a bit of rust maybe from it being the first weekend of the season and all. I mean, I know you can you can play all the first or the preseason friendlies you want and all the training you want, but nothing really beats the main real competitive thing. But no, like I said, no the the main takeaway should be the level of character and level of determination from both to come back from a goal down and score three goals in ten minutes to basically turn the game on its head. You know. Yeah, I mean it's something we might touch on as well with the Waterford game as well. Is is just given the time of year that it is, it's one of the coldest and wettest times of the year. I don't think the league has ever started this early since we moved to yeah, summer but, soccer. So it's kind of understandable in a way. But I think that kind of uh, added to the whole idea of the of the first half being a poor game. There's obviously a bit of rustiness there. Um, but three goals in 12 minutes then, it really kind of sparked into life. Firstly, it's Ireland. When is, when is it not cold and wet? That's basically all we have here. <laughs> Um, well, there's two no, weeks look, in June sometimes, that's about it. And, and what a two weeks they are too. Um, <laughs> but look, the first half was, was a strange one because I don't think either team really took a foothold in that game. Either team really took command of it. I know Rovers scored and, you know, a decent enough goal it was too. You know, Burke had that overhead kick and hit the post and whatever and Finn put in the rebound. But I think maybe 10 minutes after that were the only time I thought Rovers really had a proper stranglehold at all in the game. And even then it was more sort of a bit looser than you would want them to have it in the first game of the season. If, if we're talking about a team who can, mm. who have aspirations of winning a title, they should put that game to bed. If they're on top, they put it to bed there and then. But instead, they just sort of meandered into the second half. You know, you could kind of sense balls drawing into it. And that goal, when it came, really wasn't a shock because balls were growing into that game sufficiently at that time. Um, the second goal came about from, I think, defensive errors. I, th- I think they have Paddy Kavanaugh way too much space to mm. run on. And it was definitely onside, there's no question there. And then the third goal was just very, very poor defending. You know, it was it was at Lee Grace, I think, or one or two anyway, ahead of the ball in the air, and Dan Casey is able to loop it over Kevin Horgan, who's completely lost. So I, I think there's, there's two ways looking at this now. And do you look at it in terms of a great both performance or a poor Shadow Growers performance? Because I think both are pretty uh, pertinent to what this game in general really. And I think that. Mm. Yeah, it is looking at it in terms of the both display is very, very gutsy and very, very. You know, like we said, very determined. But Rovers were a, a bit of a shambles. I mean, it, it, what was their game plan? You know, what, what, where were they? What was their fluidity? Where, where was the, all that? You know, there was no sort of. Mm. They didn't have enough impetus for me. You know, and it was very, very strange display by them. I thought they were a lot more up for it than they actually were. But you know, that's just 
first game of the season, I think you can put the result to bed if the next performance is better. But if it's not, you're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, like just touching on that in in terms of their defending, like it's something that we've we went back to many times last year. Is is their ability to I suppose kill a game off or just consistently even draw or win games rather than than losing from positions like that where they, you know, where where as you said, like you'd expect them to finish the game off and where, like, do you think we're in for the same old story again or is it just is it too early to say that? I'm. To give it the benefit of the doubt, I'd say it's still too early. I mean, his first game of the season it is still there settling in a bit. But at the same time, you know, there was an issue with the goalkeeper beforehand. You know, he, he replaced Chinchinsky with Kevin Horgan. That was a bit of a surprise. It kind of suggests to me that even the first game of the season, he's not really sure which of those two he wants to lead the team forward. That's an issue. Uh, the defenders, you're looking at Roberto Lopez and Lee Grace. Both of them have been there now since last season. Both of them are considered two of the top defenders in the league and see them making mistakes like that is worrying. Okay, look, Trevor Clark has to go back into that team yet, but I mean, the centre-half partnership should be better than that. They should be better than how they perform. They be, like, no team should be collapsing the way Rovers did on Friday night. It just shouldn't happen. So, I, I to give the benefit of that, again, I think that if they work on it, I think they can improve it, but it just doesn't really bode well for them right now. And uh, moving on then to Cork City's uh, title defence against St. Pat's, away to St. Pat's. They began their title defence in Richmond Park. It was a, t- a totally up and down game in, in the in terms of the, in terms of the grand scheme of things. Though I suppose it does indicate the kind of I suppose the character that John Caulfield mentioned after the game and his Cork City team. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at on a pure results basis, Cork City have won the last two games. Okay, they've beaten Pats 3-2, they beat Dundalk 4-2. But the games themselves, they tell a much bigger story than that because it, it's, like you say, no, it is a very determined attitude, you know, from the last 10 minutes or whatever to get that third goal when it looked like they weren't going to get it. I mean, Pats were flying at that stage and I saw the highlights on Monday night and Pats had the, the running of that game for a lot of us, you know. Like if if they'd won three two, City really couldn't complain about that. So I think it's it's a very very dogged display in that way, and it just shows that they do have a lot of character in that team. But they allowed themselves to be in the position in the first place where they're conceding too easily. I mean, they conceded two against Dundalk. They they allowed Pats into it to get the two goals and to equalise on Friday. And look, you could you could say mitigating circumstances, the red card, etc. But they switched off. I think there's only way we look at that as they switched off. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the, in terms of the whole game, Pats were probably on top for close to an hour, if not more. They, I mean, f- when they scored that goal in the second half as well, they Cork City and, and they literally couldn't even get out of their half. Like it was, you could only see it going to 3 2 to Pats and then it ended up going the other way. But you mentioned that sending off there as well. It was obviously one of the big talking points of the first night. We've all seen it back. I personally think it's an absolutely atrocious decision. What do you think? Uh, you were, were you at that game? You were. You saw it live. I was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, what, was, look, what was the crowd it, reaction? It, 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 the I I think bewilderment is probably the best word. It, it was just a, a innocuous kind of jump in the air for a header, like and and you know like we we probably see it. Every now and then you might get a booking for something like that, but I, I don't even think this one was in that realm. Like it wasn't even, 
I, I look, the, the reaction of the back players might tell you something about how he did connect with him and, and it probably, you know, obviously hurt him if he went down. But, uh, like, from a, from a purely, it's a, it's a contact sports physical game, I, I really don't think it warranted, you know, anything more than a free kick at most. Okay. Uh, you mightn't like this bit, so... <laughs> Okay, look, I, I I agree with you. I think in the contact sport, that kind of thing should be allowed to happen. But and I think and I think this is why an appeal won't work and appeal won't be successful. To the full letter of the law, he catches him with with the elbow to the head. I mean, look, that's I think that's kind of innocuous or not, an intent or not. I think that has to be applied here. And I I think I, I look, I agree with you. I think that it, it's it could have been a yellow, and I think that had it been a yellow, nobody would have complained about it. But I think he he's also fully entitled to give a red card for that purely because this is what's the sport we're in now. I think that if you look at uh, modern football these days, if you look at the the level of contact that's involved in good penalties, especially, you know, it's it's not as strong or as hard as it used to be. You can go down for anything now and get players booked or sent off for mm. your penalties away, that kind of thing. And I think an appeal will work because of that. I think he caught him with the elbow, regardless of how strong it was, regardless of, of you know the intent was there or not. He caught him, and I think that. That is grounds to the red card, and again, I, I I go back to this. I do agree with you. It should have been a yellow, but it it, it was a red, and I think that's there's no real debate to be had there about that because full letter of the law, I think it's a red card. Okay, well we'll have to disagree, or we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. No, 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 um, no, 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 no go on, go on, go on, go on. Let's 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 um let's have this out. <laughs> I, I, th- I think I think in th- in term in terms of the way. He refed the game, though, being at the game as well. There was a couple of, of yellow cards or, or and kind of talking to's and stuff that's only really increased the kind of the, the, a little bit of nastiness in the game. I, after yeah. it didn't really come across in the highlights, there, after that sending off, there was, there was a, a three or four kind of uh, uh, just you know, going in a bit more than they needed to and things like that. And it was just, it just got a bit messy from there and, and the conditions didn't help as well. It was it was raining for the vast majority of the game. And like, I, I think the ref probably just acted too rashly. Into, like we hear a lot about refs using common sense. And I think in this case, uh, common sense would have been to maybe give a yellow card at most. But again, just really didn't see it to be honest. I, I mean, you see similar jumps going up in the box for corner kicks and stuff, and you don't really see penalties being given. So I don't know. It's you can't compare one decision against another, but that's just my view on it. No, you can't, and and you're right, and I I completely agree with you. But again, it's it's referee's discretion, and that where the where, the argument here should be about consistency. You know, because some refs wouldn't have given a red card for that. Some refs would have. And apart from well, the law, whatever, I, 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 I'd argue that most refs wouldn't. So, I think that's why. He's but, being the, but the but the question there is the question there is are they are they wrong not to? I mean, if if we're applying the full rules here, are they wrong not to give red cards for that when it, it probably should be, or is he just being too harsh? You know, it, it's it's a, it's a debate, mm. and I I agree with you. It's a very very harsh decision. I'm not necessarily saying it's the wrong one though. Okay, fair enough. Well, <laughs> we have to move on. We have too many games to get through. Um, uh, moving on to Dundalk and Bray drawing nil all. Then, I, I suppose for me personally, and, and I, maybe you as well, like we we both kind of 
have Bray almost as uh, as kind of the whipping boy this season. But in fairness to them, they really they really dug out that draw against Dundalk, especially away from home. No, and they were full value for it. I mean, from what I saw in the highlights and from following on Twitter Friday night, they were full value for that draw and could even have snuck a win too. I think they had a couple of chances to do that as well. And look, yeah. we do, we did, we did have Bray down as as relegation favourites, or at least to be down there in, in that battle, in that conversation. And I'm not sure if a point at Oriel Park is going to change that in, yeah. in terms of long term thinking. But you know what? It was a great way to start the season. Great way to start under under Dave Mackey. Look, they have a lot of problems last season. They're been well documented. You know, they were they lost a few players in the in the close season. They kept hold of players like Gary McCabe and like Hugh Douglas. So they they were able mm-hmm. to keep hold of a few of the stronger ones at least. So. You know, it, it points to them being a part of a, a, a battle more than anything else, really. If they can play like that, if they can play with that level of fire yeah. and that level of um, determination, well, then, yeah, I don't see why they don't feel like they couldn't stay up. If they can, but first and foremost, draw a line under everything happened last year. That has to be the, the main aim now. Forget what happened last year with the mm-hmm. whole statements, the whole issue of, you know, Harry Kenny leaving and all that kind of business. That's all gone. It's all the past now. It should be all about the 2018 season and how about Dave Mackey's team and his season, his campaign and his methods. And if they can do that, and if they can start in the same vein as started last night, well, then you know they definitely have a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that is the point to make. Is like Dave Mackey's coming in as we mentioned. He's a massive knowledge of Bray, the club itself, but he he's also coming from a former defender's point of view, where organisation is key and shape. Yeah. And I mean, even Stephen Kenny mentioned after the game that they just literally didn't allow them. Um, break from midfield the way they like to do, and it's it's a it's a really tough task to stop Dundalk, and I think a huge amount of credit should go to them, because like if they had gone to Dundalk the first game of the season, lose two or three nil, it automatically has uh, has the back pages filled up with Bray or, or going down, you know, they're 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 going to go on this way, but I think. If Mackey can get a few more results like this, especially against the big teams, it's only going to help the players grow in confidence and then stop that kind of conversation around the club. Yeah, I mean, had they lost two or three nil, we would we wouldn't have batted an eyelid. We'd be talking here now about about this about the result on Tuesday and say or today even and say, oh, another Dundalk win, fair enough. Bray turned up and got beaten. That's you know just the way that that should be. But no, I mean, look, mm. they they did go there. They did put in a fine performance, a very dogged performance, and they deserve full credit for that. And uh, moving on then to Waterford's course, we, just come on. We talked we, we talk about the dog bit first. Oh, sorry, excuse me. Go on, <laughs> go ahead. Um, no, no, uh, it's okay. We'll, we'll cut that part out. Um, no, I, Dundalk, yeah, I mean, look look at them now. And look, they went there expected to win. Dundalk will always expect to win when they're at home. Probably because they're up there, one of the best teams in the country. They, they will feel like, they can put three or four goals past any any team. So, and look, they can. They had a couple of fitness in, fitness concerns, a couple of injury concerns. But at the end of the day, I mean, uh, Connolly started, Benson started, you know, McGrath started, Duffy started, Murray started. These are players who Dundalk will feel should be enough to get them over line against most teams. Adrian was on the bench. Was it Pat Holman on the bench? Do I think? Like that's an array yeah. of attacking talent, and that strikes me as a team still. Let's continue on from last week. It strikes me as a team that isn't overly settled still, which is understandable. Yeah, well, I mean, I, they were making. Sorry, go on. Sorry, I, I mean, like you, you mentioned Benson there as well, and he he had two chances that if it was at the end of last season, he probably would have scored them as well. So it's kind of, yeah. in a way, it might be a bit harsh uh, to to kind of say that 
uh, or like a draw even might have been a bit harsh on them but I, at the end of the day they need to finish those chances I suppose Absolutely and I, I think there's a lot of hype around Adrian based on his pre-season form and he played well last week I think in, it's against Coxley as well I think that once, they, once they're settled they'll be flying but it, it just still looks a tiny bit rusty to me and I mean they're, they're making signings still they're making signings up until last Friday they brought in Sam Byrne from Everton mm. uh, I don't see him like an hour before the game they brought in Daniel Cleary from Birmingham and I would say him on Thursday. So they're still making signings. The deadline Thursday. I'm not sure they're done yet. So, you know, they're, they're still settling in a lot of new players. Once they do that, they'll be fine. But as we found out last season, they don't have time to do that. You know, they don't have time to mm. properly bet in these players as much time as they would want to, ideally. Because by the time they do, Crocsy will have won three or four more matches them, you know? Okay, and uh, looking ahead to Waterford, then, of course, they're... Promotion back to the top flight, beating Derry 2-1. It's great night for Waterford coming straight back up. And I suppose anyone that's seen the highlights, it was extremely difficult conditions as well to do then. Yeah, no, look, I mean, there was there was a, a doubt whether that game would even go ahead. I know they were looking for volunteers to help get the pitch ready an hour beforehand. So, I mean, that game was very much... You know, up in the air at that time, it did go ahead, and I'm not sure I should have. I mean, the, their conditions look absolutely terrible down there. They looked at I me; mean, the mm. ball was playing in a puddle most of the time. You know, yeah. But, okay, what, it, it, yeah. Pat- I mean, most chances the ball just went dead on the grass. Yeah, I mean that's no way to play match really. But look, once you get past that, I I think Waterford played well. I mean, look, they have players that settled in their team too. They had Bastianari, they had Stanley Abora, Akinade, Feely, Holohan. You know, they all start, they're all new signings. They all started for the first time and they, they look well. They look, you know, they look... Like we know a lot of those players from last season because they were, you know, one of the few main players from last season. So we know how good they are. We know how well they can play. But to play in a team together as opposed to individuals, it's a new challenge for them. And they rose to it very well. Like they went 1-0 down mm. and even come back from that as well. Like when you first game up, you're playing Derry City and they go 1-0 one, one ahead of you. It's, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's a major challenge. But no, fair play to them. They did respond very very well and they were full value for their win yeah no like I think a lot of what we said before the season started as well was that those players that you mentioned and I think they made such a difference in in like all the highlights I think that we saw Hulin's goal especially as well just a great bit of skill to get around basically the whole defence um, yeah. and like the, those players are going to be massive for them picking up results like that throughout the year. I mean, e- even if it was only one all, it still it all adds up, and I, th- I think those players are going to be the difference between Waterford having an okay season and a great season. Like, yeah, but I think the absolute key is getting them as a team consistently. Okay, they played very well together on Friday, but this team needs to develop a system for itself because a lot of new players mm. in that team now, so they need to find their rhythm, find their system and go from there. Yeah, that's the key to make your top five push or even higher if they want to go that high. But for Derry then, and you've got a problem. Sorry, go no, no, go ahead. No, for Derry, again, they've got... Um, I know Kenny Shields was a bit vocal about Waterford's uh, physical style of play on Friday night. But, um, yeah. no, like, we, we, we are kind of torn at how well they're going to do this year I mean they, they've they've lost like likes of Barry McNamee now in the summer or in the winter even lost Dean Jarvis as well so we're wondering how they're going to do I mean is it about them being weaker or is it about likes of Waterford or Bowes or Sligo or Pat being stronger you know so I think they're more involved in that race than they'd like to be now the, the mid-table race 
it depends though. I think if, if they can get over this quickly, if they can start building a run from here, then you never know. But I just think there's a little something missing from that team this year. Okay, and uh, looking ahead then to the final game of the weekend was Sligo at home to Limerick. Limerick coming away with the win. Um, Darren Dennehy with the header halfway through the second half, and it's I suppose it was it was a hard game to call to be honest at the at the outset. But like we we did have Sligo having a having a great season this year. Look, it's only one game in, but uh, still not easy for them starting on the back foot. No, and by all accounts, from what I could hear and on the social media and from what I saw last night and stuff, it wasn't quite a smashing grab win because Limerick had a lot of the better chances from what I saw. But I think Sligo has more of the ball, we'll say, a lot of more possession-based football, which is what which is what Jerry Little is going for this year, which is fair enough, but that takes time. You know, you can't just switch side of play instantly. And look, they can still have a good season. There's no question why they can't have a good season, but this still needs time to bet in. And they do need the results to go along with that straight away, which, you know, they don't necessarily have because they could be involved in a relegation battle if they're not careful. Um, you know what? No, they they did. They, they had a who they have uh, Mac or David Colley in midfield. stage Reece McKay midfield. They um, uh, Pincelli in midfield. So a lot of new kind of players to bet in there as well. Not quite the same direct style of play that they might have had at times last year. So look, they lost this game, but I think Jared is the type of man who will keep with his methods. I think he'll he'll keep fate with a lot of the same system. He won't panic on day one, you know. But. Uh, no. Uh, then Limerick, to be fair to them, look, we tipped them to struggle too, you know, and they, they got a fine win in the first game of the season, you know, like Bray, they have a new manager now and Tommy Barrett, I think he he got the job done up there in, in Sligo, that could not have been easy to go to in your first game because I think most people would expect mm-hmm. them to lose, you know, like they've lost a lot of their good players in last season, or sorry, a lot of better players in last season, the headline makers would say, the likes of Bastionari, yeah, yeah. the likes of Tossi, the likes of um, Ogbeni, but no, it was it was functional. It was it was composed, and I think they were full value for the win based off of that completely. You know. Yeah, definitely. I think it's for Limerick. It, it, like as we said, we we both probably thought from the outset that they might have a tough year. But again, it goes back to to that level of organisation and, and what the manager can implement. And if they can keep picking up points like this, especially, I think. Like we look at Sligo and Limerick, it's it's very hard to kind of tell that mid-table block or, or what's actually going to end up happening there towards the end of the season. And like if, uh, looking back nine months from now, this could be a huge result for them. Absolutely. And what I've noticed about the, the starting lineup on Friday and Saturday too was that, okay, to, to be fair to them, there's not quite stark quality about them as they might have been last year with the likes of Ogbeni and, and Harry or whatever. But they're a very, very mm. functional team. I mean, you've got, who do you have in there? You've got um, Owen Weir and Danny Kearns, Billy Denny, Darren Denny, Marky Sullivan. You know, it, it's it's solid. And I think that could stand to you too in a relegation battle. I think if you have a solid team, if you have mm. solid tactics and solid manager who sticks methods, you know, you're, you're, you're halfway there in terms of getting or staying up. I still worry about them, though. I still think because of that um, lack of star quality relative to even last year, that, that can only get you so far because it's a 10-team league. You know, one team has to go down. They can't all be playing brilliantly, you know? So I still worry about them going forward, but I think they made a very, very good start in the right direction. Okay, and uh, looking ahead now to next weekend, the I suppose the standout fixture again involves Sean McRover. They're playing Dundalk at home. It's uh, 
already kind of almost for for both teams maybe maybe lesser so Dundalk a game that they'll both be really going to win not that they wouldn't have been anyway but if if you know what I mean oh I think Dundalk have to win this I think they'll feel they have to win this I know I know what you're saying I know you know in the grand scheme of things a week to Shamrock Rovers isn't the worst place to go in terms of you know if you don't get a, if you don't get a win yeah. theoretically it's it's a hard place to go so it should be the end of the world but they've lost the cup final now to the Cork City they've lost or they they drew a Bray last week you know it's it's if they don't get three points against Rovers next week, I mean, do you consider this a bad start then? You know, I mean, wh- when does that line mm. start to be crossed? Because one point from two games isn't the end of the world at all, but Dundalk have much higher standards than that. So I think, oh, oh definitely, I think they will be gunning for that big time. I think they have to get three points here, as do Rovers. Because um, if, if you look at the way they played last week, they can't performance like that again they need to really up their game this mm-hmm. time around because if they put in two performances regardless of the results if they put in two performances like that they're in trouble already question marks be asked already because they were very very far off the pace last year they've been making noises mm-hmm. about closing that gap this year so they need to start backing it up quickly because otherwise you start worrying about them well yeah I think you're spot on there about the, it, it, they know exactly what their downfall was last year and it was that first 15 games, first 10 games where they just weren't up to the level of Cork City and then they just drew, drove on and, and ended up winning the league and like the momentum counts for a lot in football and if they can't get something going this early it's going to be very tough for them and I, I, I think even if they can pick up a result away in Tala as well like psychologically that is huge in terms of like Ro- Rovers I think before the season started, I, I said I think they're going to be a genuine challenger to the top two. Look, that, that loss against Bowes has slightly altered that view, but like it's it's not... They're they going to be that other team up there, I think, that will be challenging Cork and Dundalk. But sooner or later, this team has to stop trading off its name. This team has to start backing it up because they can't, you can't just say, oh, we're biggest team in the country. We deserve to be up in third place, second place, third place. We have, they have to start eventually putting something behind that because they were nowhere near it last season. I mean, they'll admit themselves they were nowhere near it last season. But all the talk from that camp this year is, oh, we're closing the gap, or we're definitely third, if not higher, we're definitely going up there this season. Mm. Basically, last Friday, they won't be. You know, if they play that again, they won't be. So I think that eventually this team's going to have to start stop thinking they're better than they are because I think I think that that's the trap they're in now I think there's a very very good team in there I think they can be playing better they're not at the level they think they are yet but because I don't know is that down to mentality or what but they really need to start upping their game quickly and uh, looking ahead then to Cork City at home to Waterford now I suppose before we discuss the game just recently announced there on the I don't know half an hour an hour ago that Michael Howard's uh, from Press North End has been confirmed on loan until June. Just signed an 18 month contract with Preston and, and it's going straight out on loan. Um, it's a player that we don't know a lot about already. He's only played me football and it's a huge step up for him, but does give Caulfield another option out wide or up front. Yeah, it's it's weird a player coming here from Preston, isn't it? I, I don't know how to process that. Yeah. Um, but no, look, they. It's very timely in a lot of ways because you know we've, we've come and suspended. I assume for this weekend, maybe or is next weekend or next weekend. It's this weekend or next weekend. If you get one game, yeah. So it's 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 pretty timely. So I mean, they do need forward options. I don't know how fit Josh O'Hanlon is. He was he was kind of 
was he missing last weekend or this week before maybe so I don't know is he yeah, up to speed I, properly I mean no, I, if, think, if, I think he could be injured yeah yeah so I mean, you're down two strikers there already you're down two, your new, two new strikers and then what do you do you're left for putting Carl Schipper up front again like, like last season that didn't go very well for him last season you know so I think that's what probably end up happening on Friday night should it be enough against Waterford? We'll see. Because Waterford won't have any fear going there. Waterford are going there now off the yeah. back of that Derry win, off the back of the first division win. So they're, they're going there full of confidence. They're, they're a team that are there to, or up this season to really make a statement. I think winning a Turner's Cross is definitely a, a huge statement. So, mm. but again, look, you have to look past, you know, um, mentality. You have to look with the, the ability of two teams. I think Cox are the best team in the league. So, I mean, they'll be expected to win it. So I think put it that way. I think they'll need to have a lot more focus than they showed in the last two games for the full 90 minutes because they got punished, you know, by to a by large degree in a, in in patches those games. They did adjust enough to overcome it, but they can't keep relying on that either, you know. Yeah, I, I like. I think it's going to be a very tough game as well for Cork City because you're they're coming up against, you know, four or five of that starting 11 for Waterford if not even more have played against them regularly as well over the last few years and they they have a good idea about what Cork City are about and what they can do um, you know I, even the likes of Gavin Hoolan as well maybe want to prove a point as well he didn't really get uh, much of a look in a Cork City he wants to prove something at his old ground um, you also have Graham Cummins out as we mentioned as well he's looks to be a kind of a crucial part to Caulfield's attacking mantra to have someone up there to target. So it there's a lot of variables going into it, and it's I think it'll be one of the most interesting games of the weekend, actually. Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see if, how they do without Cummins this weekend because I think we we talked last week about the the front four being very prolific, you know, in terms of in terms of um, as a unit. But if you take away one component, that take away the technically the focal point of that unit, how are they going to perform? You know, how are how's McAvoy going to perform? How's Sadlier? How Shepard going to perform? How are they going to adapt to that quickly? Because they can't play the same way they played last week because, you know, Cummins is out. So it has to be very, a lot more grounds, I think, a lot more technical. So I'll see, we'll see how they yeah. respond to that. The midfield actually is, is another big battle because you've got, um, I assume, McCormick, Morrissey, and Buckley. Assuming Shepard plays further forward, now you've got them against, um, or McAmey, sorry, plays further forward. You've got them against Ari and you've got him against Hulahan, you know, and it, it's an interesting one. I want to it, it, see how the how that battle will go because. Like I say, there's no fear there. There's no fear of that Waterford team. They're going there to win. So we'll yeah, see. and I, I, I know you also have, I mean, the, one of the standout, uh, I suppose, factors from the St. Pat's game was that I think Aaron Barry and Alan Bennett quite kind of into a partnership and you're going to throw Akinadi in between the two of them as well, which is going to be an interesting battle to see if he can unsettle them, because they're all, I, I think there's kind of signs there that they're not quite used to each other yet. Um, well, so that would be an interesting one. So this this no, is what we kind of mentioned. We, this is what we mentioned last week. You know, they, they bought a lot of defenders in City over the close season, the off-season. So, I mean, how are they going to gel straight away? We saw it last week. I mean, Aaron Barry, like, like, exactly like you said, that Aaron Barry and Alan Bennett were kind of a bit wobbly together. Does he persist with those two? You know, does, does he bring in Danny K? maybe? You know, is, there's options there for him. So um, I, it's it's that defense needs to to, to gel quickly. It, there's no other way about that. There's, there's no way a team can 
can can compete for a title or you know, win a title off the back of a defence that's not quite used to each other yet. So that has to be worked on in training, as we worked on in matches, whatever. But they need to understand it and quickly, you know, because. Like you say, Akinayde is is a very very talented striker. He will punish them. You know, the, the Pat's punished them. Waterford will punish them. Okay, and looking ahead then to the Northwest Derby, Sligo at home to Derry. It's I suppose for Sligo. Look, we we mentioned earlier they they obviously want to get back to to even drawing or winning a game in their second game of the season. It's going to be difficult against Derry, but I suppose they're two teams again that really need to win here or, or at least the point yeah which which makes it a bit more intriguing as well is that how do Derry approach this like had they beat had they beaten um uh waterford last week then you can kind of say fair enough you know they can the, the pressure off a little bit now but they did they lost i mean they're away now for the first three or four games three games i think they're away for those first three yeah. games if they don't get positive results in those first three games they're in trouble not really against trouble or anything but they are a team who are going for we're going for europe and as we mentioned earlier earlier this isn't you. You can't make errors in this league now because the fact that you know, like we said, Parts have gone stronger, Sligo are stronger, uh, Waterford are there now, and because of that, there we can't rely on. Not themselves. They, they can't really rely on other teams not being good. They have to really take the bull by the horns. I think they have to go up to Sligo and try and win there because like they're Sligo are in the same boat as them. Sligo are kind of they did. They played okay last week, not playing brilliantly, and they lost. So both teams mm. be looking to put that right this week. Performance wise, definitely. Results wise, certainly. Um, I don't know how to pick a winner there, to be honest, because it depends how they both set up. Sligo won't change. I don't think Sligo are settled now in terms of Little's game plan. Yeah. I think he sees possession as the way to go. I think that'll that'll change. Uh, that, that won't change. And you've got Adam Morgan up front there. You've got Alistair Roy, who looked pretty actually looked pretty lively last week. You've got David Cawley, Adam Wickstead, Quayle McIntyre. These players that are being very, very tactical players, and I think that they'll put in a, a good performance against Derry. How will it be enough to win? I'm not sure, because I'm not sure if that team is there yet in terms of results. We'll find out, you know. I, we'll see. Yeah, like, and I think in, in terms of Sligo as well, they need to, I suppose, for, for a game like this, they need to prove that they're up there with the likes of Derry as well. I mean, if if Sligo are targeting a top half finish, they need to be able to beat the likes of Derry. Well, they do. Like, there's, there's no question they do. But I mean, they've looked at Waterford and say, look, if we, if they could do it, so can we. You know, it, Derry aren't. Mm. Derry. If you look at the top four from last year, Derry are the ones to get in that. Oh, the top four because the top two, you're not going to be ahead of them. Rovers, I think, are third, but they're kind of on their own in third. As in, they're way behind the top two, but they're better than everyone else. So you're looking at Derry. You look at the four place, the four European place. There's five teams who could realistically challenge for that. I think. I think Stigo are one of them, but that possession football needs to turn to results quickly. You know. I'm moving on to Bray against St Pat's. Then Bray at home, of course. It's look. We I we interviewed Liam Buckley at the Leeds launch, and he and he said they wanted to start well. Um, they they obviously haven't. They went down two goals in the first eleven minutes, so it obviously didn't go exactly to plan. But I suppose scoring two goals against Cork City as well, despite what we've said about maybe their defensive, um, I suppose instability at the moment, they can at least take a bit of confidence going into that, and Bray can as well from even getting that point. Yeah, I mean, look, Pats went two 0 down the first ten minutes. City, they, they went two 0 down the first few minutes, the first uh, twenty odd minutes last year too. I think didn't they at at Richmond Park and they won that game four yeah, two. Yeah. It didn't go quite as well from this time, but they can take a lot of heart from it purely because of the way they got back into it. 
they they responded to the challenge of going 2-0 down in the first 10 minutes. A lot of teams would have folded in that situation. A lot of teams would have said, okay, yeah. this game's over now. The champions have come here. They've got 2-0 up. They're clearly going to win this game from here on out. Parts didn't. And to be fair, Liam Buckley has never really given up either. You know, Even last year when they were in relegation trouble, there was never... Um, there's never indication he was going to give up or you know throw in a towel or anything. He was always going to fight, and his team are fighters. He is a fighter. His team are fighters. And the defense, okay, they lost Jordi Balk in the winter. They're replaced with Kevin Toner. They've got uh, Lee Desmond next to him. They've got Simon Madden. They've got Ian Birmingham. That's a very very good defense on paper. I think it'll be a very very good defense going forward. You know, I, I think there were a bit of it, a couple of issues in Friday night. Uh, you could put it down to City being there. Fair enough. I don't I don't really know if that's where one ends, the other begins. But I think that's a very, very good defence. I think the midfield is strong. I think the attack is strong. I think it's a very, very good team in Pats there. And I wouldn't worry too much about Friday night. I think I'd worry more. Actually, I wouldn't worry at all, really. Look, the Pats, they lost 3-2 to City. That's not the end of the world. They can go from there. They still have a great season. I think they go to break. I think yeah. they're still full of confidence to get that result. No, I think it's the one thing to take away from that game is that they... They probably performed better over the whole ninety minutes, but they just didn't win the game. You know, it was it was very strange in that way. Like the, they're definitely there's definitely a noticeable change from last year. I think, you know, we we chatted towards the end of last season or even the middle of last season that if Pats had gone down two goals that early, you you would see their heads dropping and you would see a lack of intensity in their play but that didn't really happen at all at any stage I don't think the, the, even when they like went 3-2 it, down they were still fighting so as you said there I think in terms of their mentality they're they're a lot more um, I suppose robust this year yeah it, I think from, from what I saw in the highlights it just, it just took the chances they didn't, didn't put them away nearly enough had they done that they'd won the game you know so I think it just comes down to that I mean you Dean Clark up there on his own I'm not sure that suited him as much as it would have liked, you know. Like he's, I think he's more yeah. kind of um, he works well with players around him more, better than he was more isolated. I think, and that's that's he worked on a bit. I think that has to be integrated into his into their treats, their four three three system a bit better. But I think if they do that, if they get if they start flying a bit more, they're flying. So that thing, that's, that's the one thing missing from them now is finishing chances. They do that no matter. And uh, moving on to the final game of the weekend, then. Limerick taking on Bowes at home as well. They're two sides who picked up, I suppose, invaluable kind of wins in the on the first weekend, and they're both going into another game now. That that's a really interesting contest. Yeah, and to be honest, I fancy Bowes for this. Um, I, I look at the way the two teams played on the weekend. Okay, I saw this, saw the full game. I saw the full Bowes game. I saw how it's the Limerick game. But from what I saw, both teams, mm. I think there's a, a a lot of fight in Bowes. There's fight Limerick too, but I think there's fight and composure to go with it with Bowes a lot more than, than Limerick. Um, I think key to that is the fact that they've kept the core squad together. I think that you look at the players they've kept hold of. We, we keep going back to this, but Supple is still there, Ward is still there, Corker is still there, mm. you know, um, who's still there? Derek Pender is still Paddy there. Paddy Kavanagh's there, you know. Players they brought in, who started, Daryl Lee, he started, did the left back. But apart from that, who else started? Kevin Devaney and Keith Buckley, two players they brought in the winter who've been there before. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a very, very settled squad. It's a very, very, like, they, they all know each other. You know, they're all aware of each other's abilities and what each other can do. So, I think I think that's kind of the key to a lot of things. Keith Ward, actually, at Friday night, had a great game. I, I don't know if you saw the, the game after, 
you know, you're at Pat's game, I'd love you saw the game, the highlights afterwards. But keep Ward a fantastic game for you know, he, he's a very, very talented playmaker. He's very underrated, I think. And he was very, he was keeping a lot of what was the right in for you know, I think he'll, he'll be a lot of, um, and be a bit of a driving force going forward. Especially with Akinade and Sule right. missing, you know, he, he, it, goes, it goes a bit more creativity approach there. If they go down that road, Ward's a man suit for them. Well, he's the greatest footballer in the league as well, according to Joseph and he, so that helps. He's never, ever living that down, is he? <laughs> no, he's not. Um, <laughs> but uh, moving, on, moving on to Limerick then, I mean, like, for them, do they, for them, like, would, it, would a point in this game be a good result, do you think, or, or like, is it kind of about building now on, on that last, on that win over Sligo? I think a point will be building on that. I, I think that if you look at Limerick, you look at the squad they have, the players they have, then yeah, I think a point, because you don't want to run before you can walk either. I, I think if you start going for wins every single game, you start getting a bit careless and get, get a bit gung-ho. You know, take the points and and take the draws and win the come, basically. I was going to make a J reference there, but I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> I thought that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wasn't sure where I was going with that, to be honest, because it didn't work at all. Um, no, look, again, I keep going back to it being, it being a very functional squad, and I think that takes time to, to work on too. So, I think they've got the solid aspects of the squad down. How they go from there, I think we'll, we'll find out over the course of the season. But I think if you look at Bowes, I think on paper, we've got too much for them. So if Limerick can get a point from that, if they can build that way, as opposed to trying to go through it and failing, they try and go through it and lose. Is that better? You know, mm. it's, it's, it's more mm. ambitious maybe, but is it really better though? Would you rather have four points in a, in a solid team or three points and say, okay, we went for the win and didn't didn't come for us. Like where it, it's a bad precedent to start if you start going for wins recklessly. So I think go for the points and go from there. Okay, well that is all we have time for this week on the mixer. This is Pundarina's Irish Football Podcast. We are on SoundCloud and iTunes as well if you want to subscribe to us there. And we'll be back again next Tuesday to look back at another weekend and look forward to I suppose more League of Ireland action. Uh, it's good to be back. We'll talk to you again Watch next week. Thank God we're back. <laughs>